0: Well, famous uh, director Woody Allen, worth $140 million, directed some 50 films. He has a couple interesting quirks. One, every morning he gets up, has a banana that he cuts into seven slices. He said he's very superstitious about that number, so he doesn't use any other number. If it was six slices, eight slices, he feels it would be bad luck. His other quirk is the directing of films. It's not something he does because he loves it. Rather, as he shares as an atheist, he has restless, sleepless nights. He's, in his words, terrified during the day, thinking about his own death and believing that life is pointless. So he directs movies he shares to distract his mind from being so frightened about his belief that life is pointless. Think about a study that was done a few years ago. They asked students that had attempted suicide why did you attempt suicide? And here's the interesting thing uh, about this study. They found that 93% of the students came from a a decent home. They had friends. They were doing well in school. I'm sure we all have our ideas of what might lead somebody to attempt suicide. You know, difficult, abusive life. You know, deep depression or or maybe some mental health concerns. Or or maybe, you know, life just uh, being overwhelming. And so they said to these students, you have... A decent home life. You have friends. You do well in school. So why did you try to end your own life? Let's look at Acts chapter 2 for a minute and take a look here what Peter is sharing here. This is Peter giving a, a sermon. People are gathered around because they see this man that at once denied Christ just days before, and now he's boldly preaching that Jesus is alive. And so they want to know, why do you have this boldness, this passion now? Acts chapter 2, 32, Peter says, God raised Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses to it. When Peter stops and says, everything is different now, because one man walked out of that tomb alive three days later, now Peter says, now I have no fear. And it should be the same for you and I, no matter what happens in life, we know the deepest fear that people have, like Woody Allen talks about, is the fear of death. And once that fear is gone, then we can face anything and all things with the victory we have in Christ. Listen to Billy Graham here. He says, the Romans crucified thousands of people before and after Calvary. If Jesus had not risen from the dead, No right-minded person would have glorified anything as hideous and repulsive as a cross stained with the blood of Jesus. By the miracle of his rising from the grave, Jesus placed the seal of assurance upon the forgiveness of our sins. The cross, this symbol of torture and death, now a symbol of victory and life because Jesus is that one who overcame death, hell, and the grave, then we live a life as overcomers no matter what it is that we face. D. Truett shares about a, a young man that started going to church, very passionately involved in, and showing up every week and going to Bible studies and volunteering. And then suddenly after a few months, he showed up less and less and it became very rare for him to be at worship at all. And one day he stopped and he said to D. Truett, I've lost the fire. How do I get the fire back? D. Truett says, you know what? I'll be glad to talk to you. Just give me a, about an hour. In the meantime, would you mind going down the street and, and checking on this gentleman? We check on him each week and, and see if he needs anything. He's just a few blocks away, and so this young man says, sure, I'll go I'll go check on him. And this young man goes several blocks away, and, and he knocks on that door, and a voice on the other side says, come in. And when this young man walks through that door, his life is about to be completely turned around. I want to read a verse I know that we all are familiar with, but we may not use it in the context of which it is written, because we have a different meaning today of this metaphor. Zechariah 2.8 says, whoever touches you touches the apple of God's eye. So we've all used, I'm sure that term that, you know, the apple of God's eye. And when we think of the apple of the eye, we think of, you know, it means something or someone that is cherished above all others. But listen to how some other translations use that metaphor, a more literal sense of what it was meant in Zechariah. Consider the Holman standard. Anyone that touches you touches the pupil of God's eye. Aramaic Bible, he who touches you touches the pupil of his eye. The Christian standard, whoever touches you touches the pupil of my eye. You see, we think of apple of the eye like esteemed. The reality is it is the pupil of my eye. What does that mean? You know, think about the the pupil. It is the most sensitive part of the body. You know, if if something is coming towards your eye, you instinctively block your eye to protect it. That's how strong our reflex is to protect the eye. If you get something in your eye, you know, everything else comes to a standstill until you're able to get that, that dirt out of the eye. So again, by calling us the pupil of his eye, God is saying he's as protective of you, of me, as we are over our eyes. When you can stop and say, I'm the pupil of God's eye, you are the part, again, just like we protect our eyes, that God protects. As Bob sword says, Satan knows when he strikes you, God takes it in the eye. So he connives ways to inflict maximum damage in our lives to strike at God. I'm not impressed with Satan's ability to attack us, but rather with God's ability to protect and keep us. Remember, big God, little devil. As Leonard Sweet shares, you know, it's your acceptance before God is not a question of your efforts. How well well you think you did this week or how much you read the Bible or prayed or resisted temptation, your acceptance before God is always a question of what Jesus Christ has done for you. And through his blood shed on the cross, you have peace with God. And that's why when they look at Peter and say, aren't you that guy that denied him at the trial? And he says, you know what? Everything has changed because I've been a witness that he's alive. When that young man came to see D. Truett and knocks on that door, the gentleman down the street, there's a voice that says, come in. That young man goes inside. There's an elderly man there and He's blind and this young man says, "Hey, I stopped by I stopped by from the church. Did you need anything?" And the man says, "You know, I don't I don't need anything. Thank you." He says, "But when people do stop by, I enjoy, you know, they'll often read to me. Would you mind reading to me?" And the young man says, "Sure. What do you want me to read?" And the old man says, "There should be a Bible on that shelf. It should be marked with a ribbon where the last person left off. Just read the next chapter." The young man says, sure. And he opens up to Romans chapter eight, which reads in part. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The young man finished the chapter. He closed the book. Tears coming down his eyes. He looks over. He sees the, this elderly man also tears in his eyes. They hug. They pray. Say goodbye. The young man goes back to detruits knocks on the door and says, hey, I got my fire back. God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses to it. You know, Watchman Nee died in the 1970s. Spent the last 20 years of his life in a, a Chinese prison for sharing the gospel. And so when he would write letters and books in that prison and he would share his faith you know there's tremendous you know authority there with this man who poured out his life literally unto death for the gospel and watchman knee would share this outside outside christ i am empty in christ i am full Outside Christ, I am empty. In Christ, I am full. Watch Manise shares about a, a a friend of his. You know, a, this woman. She was home, and this burglar came in the house and demanded her money. And she said, "You know, here, take everything. But while you're here, allow me to to make you lunch." For whatever reason, this man agreed, and as they they sat down and ate together, she talked about faith and and life, the risen Christ. This burglar, he gave his life to Christ. Suddenly became a believer. Christ is alive. We are all witnesses to it. That's why we talk about Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, where Paul says, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. We say, I want to live my life worthy of the the calling of Christ upon me to follow after him. And like Peter to say, you know, because I know he's alive, because I've witnessed him in my life and other lives down through history in the living word, I've witnessed this risen one. Therefore, I shall not fear. I love the quote here that, Chad Hymus shares. and you know, you may want to write this down. It, it's, a, it's a great just statement. He didn't come up with the quote, but it changed his life. And let me share how his life really changed, because Chad Hymus was a, a wealthy businessman, married, children, just happy life. And one day he was at a farm and some equipment malfunctioned and dropped this weight and it landed on him several hundred pounds. He became a quadriplegic instantly. Now, Chad Hymus had a very wise father. His father sought out how to grow spiritually and personally by going to seminars and reading a lot and listening to CDs. And one day, this dad happened to be at a seminar, and this man in a wheelchair gave a message. And Chad Hymus' father-in-law said that was the... That was the most motivating, inspiring speech I ever heard. And so at that seminar, the, this man had bought the CDs and the book written by this man in, in this wheelchair. His name was Art Berg. So when this man found out that Chad Hymas, son-in-law, had been in an accident, he immediately went to the hospital and he showed up with the CDs and this book by this Art Berg who was also in a wheelchair and then he contacted Art Berg said you come and come and see my son and speak to him and he did that very thing and he showed Chad Hymas listen you can focus on the things you can no longer do or you can focus on what you can do So Chad Hymus focuses on what he can do, and now he travels and, and speaks, he inspires around the world, shares the gospel, writes books about faith and overcoming odds. He said there was a quote he read that really transformed his thinking. This is that quote. You are going into a season where you are about to experience breakthrough after breakthrough because what you went through did not break you. You're going to experience breakthrough after breakthrough because what you went through didn't break you because you are the pupil of God's eye and his protective hand is upon you, is upon me, And because of that, we can say, I've witnessed this risen Christ because I've experienced his life, his forgiveness, his compassion, his unconditional love. So let's go back to that study. They asked these students that had attempted suicide, good home life, friends, doing well in school. So why was it you would attempt to end your life? And just like Woody Allen, 85% of those students said, my life is meaningless. When that crowd heard Peter and saw his boldness and said, you're the one who ran in fear and now you preach. Peter said yes, because Jesus is alive. and your life has meaning and my life has meaning so much so that Jesus would die to pour out his love and the promise of His forgiveness upon your life and my life. If you ever stop and think my life has no meaning, just stop and think, Jesus died on your behalf that's how much meaning your life has and now you can live knowing that meaning and step into your purpose whatever that is for you and me and i'll give you a way to uncover that here in just a moment and do it like peter without fear you know there's a a movie called the war tapes by deborah scranton and what she did is she gave cameras to soldiers in iraq And they'd wear them on their equipment so the camera would record in in real time what they saw from their point of view. And so they'd bring these then cameras back and she would splice together different tapes and she created this documentary called The War Tapes. And and there was soldiers she got to know very well and one that she had befriended. She got a call and was told that he was in in an attack and badly injured. And so she didn't know how bad, and they just waited, and eventually this man was brought back to the United States into a hospital, and they told her, hey, he's back in the U.S., he's at the hospital, and she said, let's go, let's go see him, and, you know, she gets a cameraman, and so they drive to the hospital because they want to record, you know, this interaction, and she doesn't know how badly injured he is, and She walks into the room and they're filming and her face is kind of one of shock when she sees this soldier lying in his bed. He's sitting there behind this, this small table and she sees he's missing an arm. He's got this big smile on his face and he's like, hello. And she says, listen, I don't mean to be insensitive but how can you be so happy and positive? You've lost an arm. And he holds up his right arm and he says, I'm right-handed. I'm so glad I didn't lose my right hand. That would have been hard. He says, give me a hug. And she leans in and gives him a hug. And he's like, listen, other people, you know, they didn't come back. and, And I came back. She said, but I appreciate what you're saying, but you're so badly injured. I just can't believe, you know, that you're that, you're that happy. And then a nurse steps in and she moves this table out of the way and Deborah Scranton sees the soldier also has no legs. As Tony Robbins says, you cannot control what happens to you, but you can control your experience of life. Just like Chad Hyman shares, you know, I can focus on what I can't do or I can focus on all the things that I can do and do it for the glory of God. We are responsible for our experience of life, to find the meaning in it, to find the hope, to find the message, to find the strength, to expand, to grow. Sometimes the gift we get is not pleasurable, but it can still be Life-changing. Maybe it's just knocking on the door of somebody that has a need and sitting down and sharing with them a chapter of Scripture and allowing that fire to return. Sometimes it's seeing the example of somebody else that went through ultimate pain but still has ultimate joy and saying, let me think like they think and see like they see." give you a tremendous example of that and a way to uncover your purpose. We all have a purpose to live like Jesus, but what is your calling this year? What is my calling on a specific level? Eric Lydell was a Scottish athlete. Also a believer in Christ, he loved 1 Corinthians chapter nine, run the race in such a way as to win the prize. So fast, he was known as the flying Scotsman. As a child, his parents knew he was a gifted runner. They knew he might make the Olympics. His parents were Scottish missionaries serving in China. Sure enough, Eric Lidell made the 1924 Olympics. He upset a lot of people because his strongest run was the 100-meter dash. But they told him the run was on a sun... Sunday and he said then I won't be participating that's the day of worship even the Prince of Wales tried to convince him he said listen I love my country but I serve my God first so many people pressuring him how can you not run it's the Olympics St. Eric Lydell wouldn't run sure enough he didn't and everybody was shocked until a couple days later he ran the 400 meter dash not his strongest but when he ran that day, he set a world record, won the gold medal. He was asked about his faith in running. He said, I believe God made me for a purpose. He also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Set a world record, won the gold medal. It's what happened after the Olympics, though, that speaks into all of History. You see, Eric Lydell had a personal motto, complete surrender, complete surrender. And so fill in this blank. What would you say? He said, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. And for you, when I fill in that blank, I feel God's pleasure. How would you answer that when you do what? And then say, then how can I use that? How did Eric Lydell use running? to serve God. He'd go from town to town, challenge people, let's run a race, if I win, you go with me to church tonight. He did this from town to town to town, leading people to Christ. 1925, Lydell went back to China to serve as a missionary like his parents. He served as a teacher, as an evangelist. Eventually though Japan attacked the country, he was told you need to leave, he sent his family home, Eric Lydell stayed. When Japan took control, Lydell was put into a POW camp and there he would die. Here's the thing. Winston Churchill secured his release. Eric Lydell had a number of illnesses he picked up in the camp and Winston Churchill secured his release. Why didn't he leave? Langdon Gilkey, a fellow survivor, would write of Lydell. Often in the evening, I would see him bent over a chessboard or a boat, a model boat directing a square dance, absorbed, weary, interested, though pouring himself into the youth in the camp. He was overflowing with humor and love for life and enthusiasm and charm. It's rare indeed that a person has the good fortune to meet a saint, but he came as close to it as anyone I have ever known. So why didn't Eric Lydell leave the camp, even though Winston Churchill secured his release? Because when they told Lydell, you're free to go, he said, listen, there's a pregnant woman here. Let her take my place. And they did. And she was set free. And Lydell poured out his life unto death for the risen one. You are going into a season where you're about to experience breakthrough after breakthrough because what you went through didn't break you because Jesus is alive and in him we can do all things.